Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 79 of the Australian Hiker podcast. And in this week's podcast, we're going to have three separate sections. The first section, I'm going to talk about um, assumptions on the trail. And there's certainly been enough that I thought it was worthwhile talking about, about the way people assume things uh, or assume difficulties. So I'll just have a bit of a brief chat about that. I'm also going to be talking about infrastructure on the trail uh, in relation to things away from the huts. And the third and final section will be my journey from Collie through to Dwelling Up, uh, including uh, one interview that I managed to do uh, in the last day or so. We hope you enjoy. Now, the first thing I wanted to talk about in today's podcast was assumptions. And one of the things that I found really interesting over the last um, four weeks of this trip is when two hikers meet on the trail, typically they'll go through and talk about, they'll introduce themselves, they'll talk about where they've come from, and then they'll ask about the conditions of the trail um, in the direction of which they've come. And I find it quite interesting uh, about the way people talk about their experiences and obviously it's their own personal experiences so it's, it's different for everybody but I'll give you an example of this and or a couple of examples just to give you an indication of of how reliable the information can and, and, and can or cannot be so I suppose I refer back to um, uh, Denmark when I first met Ellie on the trail and she she only had a few more days to go at that stage and she was telling me about a couple of things that uh, from her perspective how she'd found the trip and one of those was to do with um, some of the destruction of the, the sand dunes along the, the southern coast um, uh, of the actual track itself and she was telling me how she... Um, stopped at the top of a, um, a sand dune. It normally should have been a, a gradual slope down to the beach and then walking up a set of stairs onto the next section of the trail. And she said she'd got there. The sand dune had basically been sheared off by the conditions and there was now a three-metre drop down to the beach. And she said she stood there for a while and, and couldn't work out how to get down. And someone who was travelling in the same direction and in a similar timing than her walked up beside her, threw his pack down and just slid down. So from Ellie's point of view at that stage, she obviously had an issue with heights uh, and she was worrying about how to get down safely. Whereas the person that came up just looked at it, threw his pack down and just slid down. Um, and sometimes it just sort of, uh, you know, you, you've got your own personal perceptions about what the issues tend to be. You know, in the same vein, though, um, Ellie also crossed Parry's Inlet. She said the water level at the time was up to around about um, groin depth on her. Um, and that was the day that I was crossing Torby's Inlet. So it was the low, low tide along the coastline. And for me, uh, crossing it the next uh, uh, the next few days after, I would have had a tide around about 50 centimetres higher. 
which would have put it around about waist depth or a bit higher on me. Uh, now, my background is I've spent a lot of time working in and around the ocean. I have a very healthy respect for the sea. Uh, one misstep can be can be quite serious and it can even be fatal. So I tend to probably give a bit more respect than a lot of people do to tides and currents. So I looked at the options, I looked at the conditions of the beach on the day that I was potentially going to be doing Paris Inlet and decided that I wasn't going to go through and do it. I'd rather do the, uh, the diversion around, which did involve walking along the side of the highway. I've talked to a few other people on the trip as well and again asked them their opinion on how things are going and what I can expect. And um, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, coming from Canberra, I'm used to doing a lot of my hiking in the Brindabellas um, and some of the mountains there, and I'll give you one example, Mount Tennant, where you've almost got um, from the base of the mountain to the top, you know, uh, an eight or 900 metre ascent. Uh, in one go. So it's one of the more difficult climbs. Uh, I don't do it that often, but I do do it on a regular basis. And I've got a number of other hills and mountains around the place that are very similar. I find it really interesting uh, when people talk about hills and mountains in Western Australia. They've obviously got a different perception based on what is their local conditions. Uh, and I'm not going to belittle it. Um, some of the hills have been quite difficult. Uh, but when your perception is from a much bigger set of hills and mountains, or you've come from New Zealand or Europe, and your whole concept of mountains is very different, um, people saying, oh, look, the hills are really difficult or the mountains are really difficult, you're talking from a different uh, standpoint. So you need to consider what people, people's background are and what they're talking about. The other thing in the same sort of vein is the temperature. People have been telling me this whole trip about how cold it is. Um, and I think um, around about this time last week in Canberra, it was about nine, minus 6.5, feels like minus 9.8. And those are the similar sort of conditions that, uh, that I came to on this trip. So I'm carrying a two degree sleeping bag uh, and I think it's the, it's the smallest looking sleeping bag I've seen on the entire trip. Everybody else is carrying these huge, great, really cold weather sleeping bags because from their perspective, that's what they consider to be cold. Uh, so even my night at uh, Yordamung, which was probably the coldest night I've had, and a two degree sleeping bag, I was quite comfortable. Uh, I did notice it when I went out to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night, but once I'm back in the bag again, I'm nice and toasty. So I think when people talk to you or when you talk to other people about what to expect, you need to consider people's background and people's frame of reference. Uh, it does make quite a big difference uh, when people are telling you. So when they say this is a really difficult section of trail, and I've had that being said to me a couple of times, yeah, it is difficult. It's not easy, uh, but um, it's not the most difficult thing in the world and it's not difficult compared to what I'm used to with my own hiking. So use it as a guide. Um, try and get a, a, an indication of what their frame of reference are uh, is. So when people tell you they're a Perth local and they say it's cold, you'll know that their perception of cold and yours may not be the same. Uh, but as I said, I've just found it really interesting 
Uh, I've never really noticed it before, but it's only on this length of trip when I've come across a number of people that I've really thought about. Uh, it's quite interesting to see how people put put their 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 frame of reference into place. The second thing I want to talk about in today's episode is the infrastructure on the trail. Now, in, in a recent episode, we talked about the huts and what you can expect from the huts. And that was on the southern part of the trail. Um, uh, but I found as I've made my way north to dwelling up now, there hasn't been a huge number of changes. There similar sorts of styles, they're similar sorts of structures, you're getting the odd rand earth construction as they've been destroyed or, or damaged in fires and um, it's uh, that really hasn't changed. The toilets are the same, the water tanks are the same, although having said that I'm finding that uh, in the last couple of toilets they're getting to be pretty much full uh, and certainly between dwelling up and Perth, I've been told by a hiker I ran across yesterday that that's the expectation as well, that some of the toilets are getting very full. And it's been very hard for the parks uh, um, uh, management to get the big septic trucks in to actually pump them out because the road conditions have been so bad. So Swamp Oak is an example. They went through and managed to get a portaloo in because you could tow that behind a four-wheel drive. Um, Ducanelli was the same. It needs a portaloo or it needs pumping out in the next couple of days, otherwise it's full. Uh, and yeah, you know, until the conditions dry out and the rain stops, it's hard to get the big septic trucks in. So we've talked about the camp structures and, and really they haven't changed too much all the way along the track. What I wanted to talk about specifically today was the actual conditions of the track itself and things you can find on the, on the track. So I found starting off in the coastal areas, you'd get all these lovely little seats that had been constructed at strategic points so you could just sit and admire the views. And I think for me, starting off in what I've been told by just about everybody I've talked to, that starting at the southern end is the harder option uh, because you're walking a lot of soft sand and, and, and typically your, your fitness hasn't been picked up no matter what training you've gone through and done. So yeah, walking on the hard sand was hard. And on that southern section of the trail along the coastline, you had soft sections of sand. Uh, and sometimes you just had these big hills. You just had to trudge your way up. And you felt like for every step, you're only getting a couple of inches each time because you were just sinking into the sand and not moving. The track itself is pretty much formed all the way through, at least into this area. And I'll assume it's the same until dwelling up. Um, it's managed by a different of park, different set of park regions. So whether it's Albany or Pemberton or uh, Dwelling Up, they all there's there's different areas of parks that maintain and manage the trails. Uh, by far the best maintained section of the track I've come across so far is in the Pemberton region. Walking out of Pemberton, it looked like a machine of some sort, whether it was a slasher or an excavator, had gone through and formed the trail. And you had this lovely wide trail that you could fit quite comfortably fit a vehicle down, which I'm assuming was what was designed for. Very few blowdown trees, very easy to walk on. Um, and and I, and I had have wished I had have uh, taken a photo of one particular sign where it says you are now entering such and such management area because it was almost like saying we don't look after the trail in this section because I crossed a 
crossed the road out of the Pemberton area, saw this sign, and then it was just overgrown for about two or three kilometres. It got better after that. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm certainly the parks, I'm not blaming the parks uh, people here because they've got a certain amount of resourcing and money and they've, they're not just maintaining the Bibbleman track, they're maintaining a much broader area. Um, so some of the focus in some areas is very much on the Bibbleman track, others is obviously in different areas uh, and they've all got to try and make do with the limited resources and funding they've got. I must admit, I missed the seating that was along the coastal areas. So I became very, very adept at looking for specific logs to sit on. Uh, and it's one thing just sitting on a log, but you still, I didn't want to take my pack off. So I tried to look for logs that had a, a bit of a raised area that would take the weight of the pack off my shoulders. Um, because the last thing I wanted to do was take my pack off and put it back on again. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a an experience. It's a... It is a form trail, but it's not a, a a glamping sort of option. So you don't expect to find seats and benches every 200 metres along the trail. That's just, that just doesn't happen. But certainly finding logs is quite good. Uh, and it was really funny from my perspective. Normally in my part of the world, I look for rocks to sit on because logs aren't that common. But here, up until the last couple of days, it's been I, I thought it's been a long time since I've actually seen any rocks. Uh, whether it's just because they direct the trail through a certain area um, or whether it's the type of vegetation, <coughs> you just don't tend to see the rocks around that I'm used to. The trail itself varies. Um, sometimes it's quite narrow. And um, if you listen to some of the recordings over the, uh, at the, uh, in the next section, there was one section that I had where I, I enjoyed... I enjoyed the day out of um, Collie to Yordamung really well. It was a really good run, uh, and it was the best part day of the trip. Even the next uh, the next day, which wasn't as good, was still pretty good. Um, but then the day after that in the morning, it was raining, so that obviously coloured my impressions of things. But it also was an area of overgrown river vegetation, and I was just getting sopping wet even with rain gear. Thankfully, it wasn't getting through the uh, the gear itself, uh, but it was just dripping with water. Um, and it's there's no uniform standard across the whole track about how the, or at least there's there's no uniform standard that I could see about how the trail should be maintained. Uh, I mean, what I what I would have almost expected, if you like, is something that's probably around about a meter wide, cleared of vegetation. And yes, we've had some big storms over the last few weeks or months, uh, and they've got to go through and maintain that and clear that up. Uh, but a lot of blowdown trees as well. Uh, but some sections had more blowdowns than others. Uh, others, there were a couple of areas where you had entire cowrie trees had just fallen down the length of the track. Um, and you know, you'd end up having to work your way down the length of the trunk and then manage your way around the crown of the tree, which would slow you down a bit. Um, uh, and and then you'd walk another half fifty or hundred meters, and then there was another one. So you'll find that um, the track itself is maintained in a very different way. Um, certainly, I think getting back to I've just talked about perceptions a few minutes ago and assumptions that when it's sunny and it's warm, it makes a whole different uh, view on how you tend to look at the track. 
when it's sopping wet, it's blowy, it's cold, you tend to sort of not think of the track as fondly as you normally would. Um, but, yeah, I was walking down from Blackwood um, campsite into Bellingup, uh, and a farmer pulled over and said, look, it's raining, would you like a lift? And I said, no, that's fine, I'm doing the track, and it's all part of the experience. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, it's, it is so easy to just say, look, the weather's bad, I'll just delay it for a couple of weeks if you live in the local area. For me, uh, and, and, and that's, that's something that was relayed to me from the, the owner of the uh, Donnelly River um, general store that people had dropped food boxes off, decided the weather was too wet and come back and pick them up and said they're going to do them later. So, you know, it's the track is what it is. Uh, and from my perspective, I'm not going to be able to come back here next year and finish off a section of track just because it's wet and I didn't feel comfortable doing it. You know, it, it's all character building. Um, and, um, yeah, it's overall the track is, is very good. It is a natural track. Sometimes you've got sections of walking on management road and you can see quite obviously why that is. You know, you're trying to get around rivers or, or some piece of infrastructure or it's a high, high disease risk area for, for root rot. So they try and minimize making an impact on, on the, the environment. Other times it's quite strange uh, about why they've done what they have. So I've had sections where you've walked off a management road, you then go into a bush area, and you can see the management road six metres away, and you walk in the bush area for 50 or 60 or 70 metres, and then you're back on the management road again. So it's almost like they've tried to give you the full bush experience and minimise the time you've walked on management road, even though it's only for a short section. And I find that really strange. Uh, you know, I can understand when you're walking for a number of kilometres, but when it's only for 60 or 70 metres, you think, well, just, just stick to the management road. You, know, you, don't, you don't need to take me out bush when I can see where I'm going and I know I'm going to be back on this road again in a very, very short time. Um, I think the trail um, is maintained reasonably well. Uh, and given the amount of big storms that have happened over the last couple of months, there is certainly a amount of work that needs doing. Um, I know there are volunteers that look after the huts and sections of trail, and I know that the parks associations do a lot of the bigger, more more heavier infrastructure type work. Um, but it would have been interesting to see what it's like in four to six or eight weeks' time when you've got the peak of people coming through, and I believe that's really the month of September into October when people really hit the track, uh, to see if it had been much different. The other thing with infrastructure I found really interesting was these. there's a number of new little bridges that have been built. I've been, been told that um, they're about to put the, the Google tracker camera through the whole trail, and apparently part, some of the work that's been done is to facilitate that. But you've got these lovely little sleeper and metal bridges in the middle of nowhere and you can think okay yes i can see in really wet conditions this would be necessary um, but then you you walk over these little bridges and then 100 meters later you have, you're forced to walk through a puddle of water um, so it almost seems random when you get these little bridges that they they it's like okay we need to put three bridges in this section where are we going to put them and um, uh, and we'll put another three in next year or the year after. 
I think in some respects, having done the overland track, there probably is more need for more boardwalks. And again, given the issue with dieback uh, uh, disease, having boardwalks go across through some of these sections might be a better option. Uh, and even if it means putting in 100 metre sections of boardwalk here and there, that would probably make a difference to some of the, the particularly the wet areas like in the Pinnerup Plains. Um, but again, it's 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 a unique track. It's different than all the other tracks. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not, it shouldn't be the same as the Overland track or every other track around. It should have its own different experience. So, yeah, if you're looking at doing the track, um, yeah, it's uh, expect to have a, over a thousand kilometers, you are going to get a wide variety of conditions. Um, uh, and certainly, if you're doing it in drier weather, you'll appreciate a lot more. Next section is, um, uh, as the same as I've done over the last few weeks, is my experiences uh, from Collie through to Dwelling Up. Uh, and I've got one interview in this section. One comment I would make with interviews is um, it's a bit of an art. Um, I'm a large male traveling by myself. Um, I'm very conscious about impinging on other people, people's experiences. Uh, there's a process I go through before I interview people. Um, sometimes I will interview people um, on the trail uh, quite quickly and readily. Other times, I know there are times where I just need to back off and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. So when I get to campsites late at night and people are just finishing off dinner and heading to bed and I know I'm going to be going early in the morning, I don't push trying to interview people. Uh, other times, um, the opportunity, people just aren't there. So on this section from Dwelling Up uh, or Collie through Dwelling Up, there weren't as many section hikers on this one. I did come across a couple of groups. Uh, one of them, I, one of the gentlemen I did manage to interview. Uh, but the other group, again, the timing just didn't present itself very well. So um, I believe there is a large number of people on the trail in comparison to what there has been from Kalamunda through to Dwelling Up. And I'll see people more regularly, and particularly with a large number of huts. So hopefully I'll be able to pick up a few more interviews over the coming, uh, coming uh, last week of the trip. We hope you enjoy this series of recordings. Uh, and after this, there's one more on-trail episode to go for this podcast. It's 6.57 on um, Sunday, the 2nd of September. I'm just sitting here in my hotel room, just doing the, the final last few pack items. Uh, and then I'll be heading off uh, uh, on my journey towards dwelling up. Um, had a good good couple of days rest, uh, definitely needed. Um, but looking outside the uh, the hotel room this morning, there's, a, there's almost a fog, um, and the humidity is 94%. Uh, although there's no no chance of rain being shown. So uh, looking forward to getting back on the trail again. Uh, I've got around about um, 36 to 40 kilometres today. Um, on the tra uh, uh, and given that I'm off the trail by a few kilometres, that'll add up probably closer to 40 kilometres. Okay, talk to you later. It's just on 12 o'clock and I'm here at Harris Dam campsite. 
Uh, it's taken me four hours and 50 minutes to do um, the uh, the distance here and my GPS is telling me 20 kilometers. Um, actually quite a pleasant campsite, it surprised me. I um, Talking to Ellie in Denmark, she had a, uh, a couple of drunk hunters turn up in the middle, middle of the night. Um, they were a bit abusive. Uh, so I had preconceptions about what this site would be like. And it's actually a, a pleasant campground. It's quite nice. It's one of the older uh, uh, huts with the, um, the double bunk beds on each side and the table in the middle. But it does have bark, uh, and that makes a big difference uh, when you don't have dirt going everywhere. Two tanks, a water tank either side, so there's plenty of water. Uh, and the toilet box, uh, or the toilet uh, cubicles, are uh, probably around about 50 metres away. Um, sort of hidden away in the background. Um, in amongst trees that are probably around about 15 to 18 metres tall. Um, table out the front and a uh, little fire pit just out the front as well. Um, but it's quite nice. The walk this morning, um, for me, has probably been the best of the whole trip. Um, it wasn't difficult, apart from the uphill bit from uh, Collie River up to the top of Harris Dam. Uh, otherwise the rest of it was pretty easy um, uh, and I managed to keep a, a good pace uh, all the way through um, but it's a, it's a drier sort of forest and this is the sort of forest that I tend to like I'm, I'm not a fan of the wet rain forestry type of the forest that you get down south um, and with the exception of say the Tingle Forest uh, this has probably been my, my favourite day of the trip so far it's been sunny uh, it's warm without being too hot. Um, there's enough light without being too bright or too dark. A uh, bit of breeze blowing up the top, but it's not really impacting down here at the gra at ground level. And there's not. Um, and while there are lots of trees, there's not huge amounts of foliage and lower undergrowth. Uh, so it, you can sort of. You know, the saying you can't see the woods for the trees. In this case here, you can see the woods uh, regardless of all the trees. So uh, it's a bit too close, obviously, you know, it's only just on 12 o'clock and there's no way I'm going to stop here. So I'm heading off to Yordamung and I've gone through and signed off in the, um, the, the, the logbook. Uh, and I'm good to see a couple of comments saying that um, it's, um, it was a fairly easy walk to Yordamung. Um, I'm tossing up what to do tomorrow and I'll think about that later on today but um, I might actually look at doing, I'll see how I feel at the end of this day, uh, but I might actually look at doing Ducanelli uh, tomorrow, uh, which will be a double hut as well. But I'll see how I go. Um, I've got the four days, if I need be, I've got, I'm a day ahead of my schedule so I can always take that up and I've also got extra days to allow as well, so I'm not going to push it if I'm uh, not feeling good. Um, but I'm happy at the moment, the weather's good, uh, I'm just happy to keep on walking and keep on going. Talk to you later. I'm here at Yordamung campsite, uh, I'm just lying in bed, uh, just getting ready to go to sleep. That's if, that's if I don't get carried off by the mosquitoes first. There are more mosquitoes at this campsite than every other campsite that I've had on this entire trip. Uh, I've killed probably about 20 and that's just barely scratching the surface. And I, and I suppose I'd add that comment to um, uh, the previous campsite uh, that I was at at lunchtime. Um, it's, um, 
even during the daytime, I'm sitting, I was sitting outside at the table and there's mos mosquitoes everywhere. So I think um, I've obviously definitely changed uh, vegetation and climatic areas because uh, the mosquitoes are just everywhere. Um, so I'm just going to have to zip myself up as best I possibly can uh, into my sleeping bag uh, and minimise the, the any any chance of mosquitoes getting to me. Um, but yeah, it's a it's just they're just everywhere. But Yordamong is a good little campsite. Um, it's uh, it's only a small one. Uh, again, the double bunks with the, the table in between and the the bark on the ground. Uh, it's quite a nice little campsite. So even though some of these campsites uh, that are identical in structure. Uh, in other areas I haven't liked. This one's actually quite a good little one. Uh, the same as um, as the one before Collie as well. So it really does have to do with the structure itself as well as the uh, the weather uh, and the vegetation around it which will sort of go to giving it a, uh, a good feel. Alright, time to go to bed. I think I've uh, um, control the mosquitoes for the moment but there's still plenty around. Good morning. It's the 3rd of September. It's around about quarter past seven. Um, I'm running a bit late this morning. I was hoping to get away at seven o'clock this morning but I actually had a sleep in and for me that means I uh, I didn't wake up until around about ten to six. So I've moved reasonably quickly this morning to pack and have breakfast and catch up on social media. Uh, and I'll get away in the next few minutes. Um, yesterday was a really good day for me. Um, and again, it was because the weather was good, uh, the vegetation was good, um, uh, the terrain was relatively flat. So it was just really nice day. And I think um, while the Tingle Forest in, in the south is probably my favourite area of the track so far, yesterday was probably my favourite day overall. Um, another day that looks very similar today, I think they have forecast rain, but at the moment it's not looking anything like it. It's looking fairly clear, so I'm fairly happy about that. Um, and I am planning on heading to uh, Ducanelli uh, campsite, which is a 40 kilometer hike today. So one of the reasons I was hoping to get away at 7 was to actually finish before it got, um, it got dark. Uh, and providing I move reasonably well today and the terrain's not horrendous, uh, I should do that, uh, even with leaving a bit later. One comment I'd make yesterday, about yesterday with Harris Dam and last night at Yordamung, I was saying that at, uh, Harris Dam was a really nice uh, area, felt really good. Um, but one thing I didn't mention, it was uh, I was sitting there at lunchtime, a uh, fairly sunny sort of day, and the mosquitoes were around. And I didn't think too much about that. Last night getting to Yordamung, um, I almost felt like I was going to be carried away by the mosquitoes. There were more mosquitoes at this campsite than every other campsite I've stayed at combined. After killing 20 mosquitoes, I finally gave up on trying to kill them because they just tipped on coming. Uh, and eventually got the inner of my tent out and put the, um, the fly, the insect mesh over my face uh, so I could get a decent night's sleep. Eventually they did disappear on their own accord because last night was probably also the coldest night of the uh, the trip as well. So even though there is water 
somewhere close by, but it's not in the immediate vicinity. There's a bit of mist in the air, uh, and certainly there's definitely a change in temperature compared to what I've been used to on the, the southern part of the track. So it wasn't cold overall, uh, but certainly you could, you could tell that it was a really cold night. Um, so when I got up this morning, sitting in my sleeping bag, I put my, my puffy jacket on, uh, quite comfy sitting there, just looking at the sun coming up uh, just through the trees. So nice campsite, nice environment, but lots of mosquitoes. So if you're going to stay here, I would suggest you think about the mosquitoes and either bring a, uh, a mosquito net for your head uh, or some other option that suits you to deal with the mosquitoes because they're not going to go away. I was by myself last night for the first time in a while at one of the shelters and I was almost wishing for someone else to be there just to share the mosquitoes. Um, so as I said, got up this morning, um, breakfast, social media catch up and pack and I'm just about ready to head off. Okay, talk to you later. It's um, 20 past 12, I'm here at Possum Springs. I just arrived here probably about 25 minutes ago, had lunch. Um, I thought I'd get here without having to put the rain gear on, but it looked like it was coming through and quite heavily. So I stopped, put the rain gear on, had a short shower, and now the sun's completely out and the sky almost looks like it's cleared. So I've taken all the rain gear off again. Um, it's um, I was expecting rain today, but it sort of um, looks like it's not going to stay around too long, at least for the moment. Um, it's taken me roughly around about um, four and a half hours to get here to do just on 19 k's. I've got about another 21, 22 kilometres to go to get to Tukaneli. So I'll just go to the, the loo while I'm here and, um, and head off. Possum Springs is one of the new uh, uh, rammed earth constructions. Uh, so you might be able to hear a bit of a, an echo in the background as I'm talking. Um, looks very similar to all the others I've come across. It's pretty much a uh, a standard sort of model, I suppose. Uh, one thing, it would be interesting to see how this is going with these these new rammed earth um, uh, models is they've got two half windows. So they've got two complete walls and the two shorter walls at the front have got large windows or openings in them. And I think if it was blowing a gale and torrential downpour it would potentially get wet into these sort of areas so it, it may actually be better to have a fully enclosed wall on, on at least one of the sides um, would make it a bit darker but it, it would at least provide a bit more protection in the wind and the and the rain but nice looking campsite up on a hill um, I almost went past it there was no real sign saying um, shelter this way like there are is was just about every other one i thought oh hang on a sec it's that's the only way up up you can get up there and sure enough it was the right road so i just wanted to stop in here for a lunch break for a head on so today's been pretty good the train's been reasonable a few more hills but nothing nothing horrendous um and um uh, uh i should get to Ducanelli probably between about five and six o'clock tonight uh, and I'm guessing closer to six, depending on what the terrain's like. Talk to you later. It's uh, 7.16 on the Tuesday the 4th of September. I'm here at Ducanelli Hut. Um, pretty much packed, just doing this recording and then I'll head off. Um, good night last night. 
Um, it's one of the larger timber shelters, so plenty of space. Um, you don't sort of feel crammed like you do in the little ones. Um, and I was sharing with a family of three last night uh, who the son is uh, doing a, an end-to-end with his dad as part of a celebration for his 70th birthday. Um, taking it nice and slowly, doing hut, hut at a time, but they seem to be enjoying themselves. Mum came through and, and visited, um, so she's here doing small bits and pieces and then then heads back to home again. So, you know, it's, it's a good family sort of thing. And this is this is the thing that, I, that surprised me. Well, not surprised me, but it's... Um, this is the thing that I've, it's been good to see on this track that it really is a family thing. You're getting young kids, you're getting older people. Age doesn't seem to be a barrier. Um, and, it, and it has stunned me the number of 70-year-olds plus that are doing this track and some of them not that slow either. Um, last night was a good night's sleep. Uh, it rained on and off for most of the night, so it was much warmer than the night before. Um, and... Um, uh, the rain looks like it's going to continue on through the day, which was the forecast. Um, so today's plan, originally I was going to head to um, the next hut along, uh, and I can't for the life of me remember what it was. Um, but I am actually going to uh, stop at um, Swamp Oak, which is about 13 kilometres out of Dwelling Up. So I've got 48 kilometres left to do between today and tomorrow, and I'm not going to do a 48 kilometre day today. Um, that would get me into dwelling up well and truly past dark, and it's just not the point. So around about a 35 kilometre day today, uh, and then a, a 13 kilometre day tomorrow, uh, and that'll give me sort of that day and a half rest day in dwelling up. The family that's here is telling me good things about dwelling up, uh, good accommodation, good food, uh, which is probably not to be un not unexpected given that it's it's relatively close to Perth. Um, and once I hit dwelling up, I've got about just a bit over 200 kilometres left. Looking at my schedule, um, a lot of the other sections have actually varied my schedule as I've gone. I've looked at my schedule for the remaining section of this track between dwelling up and. Uh, and Perth and it's pretty much where I expected it to be I'm not likely to change it there's enough additional huts there that I can comfortably do 30 kilometers a day for just about most of the days I think the first day I've got 36 but every other day is pretty much 30 kilometers or 29 or and the last day is around about 24 into Kalamunda so I don't have any really big days in that last section um, and given that um, a lot of people are starting early September, I'm expecting to see more and more people from now on. I think uh, given that I've got two days to get into dwelling up, I think from dwelling up onwards is where it's likely to get really busy in that last sort of seven day period. Okay, uh, I will pack up and start heading off. It's just on 12 o'clock and I'm here at Murray's campsite um, and uh, I suppose I'm going to say it's an imaginative name because it's on the shores of the Murray River. Um, quite a nice little view. Uh, again, it'd be one of these nice sort of uh, uh, campsites to wake up in uh, in the morning just looking out onto the river. One of the newer camps, newer timber campsites at least anyway. Um, 
it's double uh, bunk beds on either side with a, a solid platform all the way across, table under cover, very similar to the last campsite. Um, it's um, got a nice little table and, and fire pit area just in front of it down below. So yeah, as I said, it's a nice little area. This morning uh, wasn't my favorite day. Um, I was actually moving quite fast, four and a half hours to do 17 kilometers. So I was averaging just on 4.9 kilometers per hour, per hour, which surprised me because I was got going through a lot of river riverside vegetation that was sopping wet. And as a result, it was leaning onto the track. So I was having to push my way through a lot of very thick growth. Uh, and sometimes I just couldn't see where I was going. I just had to push through uh, and watch where my feet were going. Um, I don't like riverside vegetation, uh, not, uh, not when the pathway hasn't been as well maintained as it could have been. Uh, and as I said, because it was uh, been raining last night, it was all sopping wet. So I've had my rain gear on all morning. Um, so I'm going to move on to uh, uh, Swamp Oak this afternoon. Uh, and that'll put me around about approximately 13 kilometres from dwelling up which means I'll have, have an easy run in tomorrow. Um, being not totally sure what the vegetation is like and the trails like this afternoon, I know I've got a few decent sized hills to go up. Uh, so I will um, expect possibly, I would expect to be a bit slower. <laughs> I'd be surprised if I'm not. Uh, so realistically, it's probably going to be four, maybe five hours, which means uh, by the time I leave here at, uh, say, 12.30, uh, I should get into camp sometime around about 5 to 5.30 this afternoon, approximately. A um, uh, bit shorter distance than yesterday, all up around about 36 kilometres as opposed to 40 kilometres yesterday. So um, should be just slightly bit easier. And I'm looking forward to the short day tomorrow and a motel room but, and a warm warm shower. Okay, I will press on. It's Wednesday, the uh, 5th of September. I'm here at Swamp Oak Campsite, and for the life of me, I can't quite work out why it's called Swamp Oak Campsite. There's no swamp and there's no swamp oaks, um, <coughs> but it's a, quite a nice hut uh, nestled in the, uh, uh, in the treed area down towards the lower end of, of the valley they're in. We're just on 13 kilometres from um, uh, from uh, uh, dwelling up, so I've got a fairly short walk in today, and I can't check into my motel until uh, 12 o'clock. So, uh, as I said, it's 10 past eight, and I'm not in a rush to get out of here. I'll I'll leave by 8:30, which will still get me in early. Uh, and I've been told by the two others that um, that are here that uh, um, it's uh, it's a relatively easy walk into town. Yesterday was an interesting walk. Uh, it was a walk of two halves. The walk in the morning to Murray's uh, was one of the most difficult parts of the whole walk of the trip. Uh, walking through a lot of river vegetation, it was sopping wet, uh, the track was overgrown, so I had my full rain gear on and I was still getting water everywhere. Uh, then once I got to Murray's, uh, I left Murray's and probably within about half an hour after going up a steep hill, uh, it was back to the, the really nice vegetation that I liked that I was used to the day before from Collie to Yordamung. 
Um, so I really enjoyed uh, enjoyed it yesterday afternoon. Um, so again, walking up a, a, a hill took me a little while, and then I was walking on the crest of the hill, going from crest to crest for quite a lot of the afternoon. Later in the afternoon, it was back down the bottom of a, a steep valley, and then back up a very steep hill. Um, and I would probably rate yesterday's as the hardest that physical day of the walk so far because of that hill walk but because my fitness levels have improved over the last few weeks um, it's uh, it, you know I was, I was taking very short breaks and frequent breaks but wasn't stopping for very long um, so uh, it was a it was a good day overall getting into um, to the campsite last night at Swamp Oak um, I didn't have any rain yesterday so by uh, uh, just after lunch I'd stripped off the rain gear uh, and um, managed to get through without getting rained on but as per usual last night it started raining uh, not long after I got to the campsite at 5 and it was raining on and off all the way through the night time so it's um, uh, it was one of those sort of things that uh, um, it was uh, uh, it was typical, I suppose. We always seem to get the rain at night time, and it just it just you know it, it's good. You know, it means that you wake up in the morning, it's sunny. There is certainly a bit of cloud around, and it is threatening a bit of rain on half the sky, and the other half of the sky is just clear and blue. So, uh, as I said, looking, I shared the campsite with two other hikers last night. Um, one gentleman in his mid-60s who's just headed off uh, south and another guy who I met uh, earlier on uh, in, um, in, in Denmark uh, area and he's back out on the track again just doing sections. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, looking forward to a hot shower and, and some town food tonight and for lunch. Uh, I'm all geared up for it. And then on to my final section of this trip into uh, Kalamunda. Perth, Perth. Okay, I'm here at Swamp Oak Campsite uh, and I've uh, got John who I came across uh, in Denmark or just outside of Denmark and he's been willing to have a chat to me. So John's from Perth. So I'll get John to introduce himself and uh, tell us um, where he's from, his age and why he's out here on the track. Uh, yeah, John uh, from Perth, uh, 57. Okay, and why are you out here on the track, John? Uh, well, after the walk I feel a lot better and, yeah, lose a bit of weight. All right. And you spend quite a bit of time on the track doing doing sections at a time, do you? Yeah, because I go home and keep on putting on weight. <laughs> yeah, and I can I can understand that. It's sort of, uh, it's, it's a good, it definitely is a good way to lose weight. So, um... How, how much time do you spend on the track on, on average? Is it uh, you know, a few months at a time or a few weeks oh, at a time? Or As time goes by, it's been less and less, but still try and get out there a little bit. Okay, and you were saying this is your local track, I suppose, being... Well, uh, yeah, it's the only one really, you know, it's about the only one. All right. Um, and what do you enjoy, enjoy about being out on the track? Oh, I don't really... I think it's boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you like like being in nature, though. Or oh, now I'm happy anywhere. All right. Um, and what's the what's the what's your favourite section of the track? Because I, I find that a lot of people I've came across, particularly over the last few weeks, seem to do that collie through to um, 
um, that collie section onwards down, heading down south. Oh. Um, but you know, I think everyone obviously likes different sections of the track at a time. It doesn't really matter where on the track. Like anywhere near water is nice. All right. So do you like the coastal section at all? Or yeah, more? coastal mm-hmm. section. Any any hut that has no river, lake. All right. Um, and um, what about what's your what's your least favourite section of the trail? Is there one, or you don't? Do you like them all? Or, or no, like? it's all good. Just get sick of looking at all these trees most of the time. Yeah, I must admit it is it is good to have a bit of variety as far as vegetation is concerned. Oh, it's good to see a car too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and what would be your advice for people who want to go and hike the Bibbleman? What what would you suggest to them? Oh. Oh man. No, 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 not real big on advice. All right. Uh, no, I can't think of much. All right. Um, have a good sleeping bag and mattress. Yeah, no, I think that's that's certainly good. If you nothing worse than having a hard day's hiking and you get in and you've got a hard night's sleep as well. If you're comfortable, warm at night time, that certainly helps. It does. Yeah, comfy at night. It's good. Yeah. All right. So we've been talking here to at Murray at, at Swamp Oak Campsite to John from Perth. Um, and um, again, everyone comes out on the track for a different reason or for uh, uh, to do different things. Uh, and um, yeah, it's uh, it, it comes down to hike your own hike, uh, whatever you're at, the reason you're out here for. That's the main thing. So, thanks very much, for that John. Much appreciated. Yeah, yeah no worries. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, quarter to nine on uh, Wednesday, the fifth. Of September and I'm here in my hotel room at Dwelling Up. Uh, arrived into Dwelling Up um, uh, probably around about 10 to 12. Uh, dropped into the local store just to grab a, a quick uh, snack uh, and for me my, my snack of choice is a, is a Weiss bar and a, and a, a, a sugar-free coke um, and then headed down to the hotel to check in. Hotel rooms reasonably comfortable um, I mean, I won't say it's the most modern in the world, but it's reasonably up to date and reasonably clean, and uh, and all has all the facilities that you would really want. Um, so it's uh, it's going to do me quite well for today and all of tomorrow while I'm here before I head off on my next uh, leg of the journey towards Kalamunda. Um, once I'd actually checked in, I had a shower, um, washed my clothes. Uh, I wasn't too sure if there was a laundry mat here or not, so I just did washing in my room uh, and then um, hang the clothes up to dry so they'll be ready uh, for uh, morning after tomorrow to go. Um, I uh, had a, uh, after I've gone through and done that, I went through and um, uh, walked across the road to the uh, uh, post office, uh, and it really was literally just across the road. Uh, and thankfully my, my resupply parcel had been here. Jill's been sending them through to me uh, to the relevant locations at the relevant times. So I was getting a bit worried and thinking it's going to be a bit hard if I don't have it, uh, although you can actually get it uh, camping and hiking food here in Kalamunda anyway, uh, sorry, in, uh, in Dwelling Up anyway. Um, once I'd picked that up, I decided it was time for lunch, and I had recommended to me the Blue Wren Cafe, so I went up there, really friendly place, really quirky little atmosphere. Um, had one of the specials off the board, which was um, zucchini fritters, uh, zucchini and halloumi fritters, uh, and they were really nice and really quick service. 
uh, and I'll head back there tomorrow for breakfast. I've just got a craving for smashed avocado. Um, and it's you know, nice to get a bit of greens and a bit of salad. I came back here to my hotel room, uh, did a bit of sorting through my uh, my food to make sure that everything was there. And I tend to send back stuff that I don't need. So I've actually got a, a collection of snacks that I haven't used uh, since um, uh, before Collie. And there's probably around about a kilo and a half of just things that I just haven't eaten over that period. Um, so it's good to actually offload those. Uh, and I've sorted through my new food supply to make sure that everything's in there I'm going to eat over the, the coming week. I've got a few days that I'll be uh, actually eating uh, at um, uh, some of the taverns and, uh, and pubs along the way. Um, good to feel clean again. Uh, good to have uh, good meals. I actually went to the, the hotel, which is uh, uh, immediately next door to this accommodation, or it's part of this, part of this complex. Uh, I had a nice curry for dinner, um, and that filled me up very well. And I can see tomorrow I'm going to load up on food big time because I have lost more weight since Collie. Um, I actually cinched my, my waist belt up another five millimetres, which doesn't sound much, but given what I've lost, uh, I don't have too much more to lose. So um, looking forward to having the day off tomorrow, getting the podcasting done uh, and, um, uh, and then just doing a pack ready to go the next morning. Talk to you later. It's uh, quarter to nine on uh, Thursday the 6th of September. I'm just here in my hotel room, been off to the Blue Wren Cafe and had breakfast. Uh, very filling, very enjoyable breakfast. And I've just come back here to do the podcast. So today's a rest day here in um, in uh, Dwelling Up. Um, I had yesterday afternoon, today is a rest day. Uh, picked up my food parcel. Now I've just got to go through and um, finalise the podcast for this week uh, and get my, ba- uh, my pack ready to go for tomorrow. Um, clothes are hanging up, uh, drying off quite well. As always, it's the socks that are taking the time to dry. Um, it's getting myself ready for the last section of this trip uh, and that's from dwelling up in through to Kalamunda so approximately 210 kilometers uh, over a seven day period so averaging 30 kilometers a day Uh, and the first day for me is going to be the hard one I suppose it's the longest day and it's also uh, the hill up to Mount Wells to the old uh, fire watch station there uh, but yeah, so far enjoying the rest day off. Um, uh, the food I'm eating is probably what I used to eat when I was uh, back in the real world, and I'm, I'm struggling. It's sort of uh, it's like I can't remember eating this much food in one go. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see how I go once I'm back in the real world, away from from hiking food. Okay, so podcast time and. Um, uh, rest day, uh, and then off again tomorrow. Now you can see with this uh, this podcast, it was shorter than the previous weeks. Uh, the trip in from um, Collie through to Dwelling Up was only four days, um, so it was a uh, I didn't have a rest day really that long ago. But certainly, I'm I'm getting to the stage now where I'm appreciating it. 
One of the biggest changes for me over this previous week is um, is my fitness level. I'd done an awful lot of training for this trip. Uh, I'd spent the last two years working out what my um, my limits are, how far I can go in a day and how many multiple days I can do. Um, but it, nothing really prepares you for actually doing multiple weeks of hiking. So certainly going through the Donnelly River section, which was had a lot of up and down hills, I was having to take a lot of breaks, and the breaks were probably for a minute or two. These days, the hill um, that I had the other day uh, in that section where I said that this was probably the hardest day of the trip, I was stopping for 10 or 12 seconds and then moving on and, and, and just being able to power on quite comfortably. So for me, I'm probably the fittest I have been, at least cardiovascular-wise. Um, I've lost upper body strength because I'm not doing a lot of upper body work. Uh, it's all going into the legs. Um, and um, I'm managing to comfortably do the 30, 30 plus kilometer days. One of the things I find um, is I used to consider myself to be a fairly fast hiker, and that was even only five years ago. Uh, but now a lot of the young guys just power past me and I'm just stunned at the speed that they move and I just can't keep up. Uh, now, I know they're not doing the 30-kilometer-plus days that I'm doing. They're often doing um, single hutting, um, but there's no way that I can actually keep up with them at the pace they're going. Um, I have a pace, uh, and I find that, you know, it's sort of, Yes, I start off a tiny bit slow in the morning, I'll, I'll speed up um, in the middle of the day and then slow down at the end of the day, but I typically have an average sort of pace that I stay with, uh, whereas a lot of people will have varying paces. So I tend to move up the hills, down the hills, on the flats, um, you know, and unless I'm walking a, a flat management road, nothing really changes. So I know that um, you know, if I want to do a 40 kilometer day, and not hike in the dark, I need to leave at seven o'clock to get me in at around about six. So um, it, it has been noticeable for me uh, with the fitness level. Um, and um, uh, it, it's certainly uh, uh, appreciated, particularly as I get towards the end of the trip. So now, now working towards my last section up into Kalamunda. Uh, and as I said, seven days worth of hiking to go. So looking forward to it and looking forward to, as much as I'm enjoying it, looking forward to completing the trip. As always, you can listen to this podcast through the Australian Hiker website, through SoundCloud, through Stitcher and through iTunes. And please help to get the message out there by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. Next week's episode uh, will be the final on-trail episode for the Bibbleman Track. Uh, and I'll be doing a couple of wrap-up episodes after that. Um, but next week's episode will take me into Kalamunda, uh, and you'll hear the final part of the, the trip as, as, I've, as I've undertaken. Hopefully I'll have a few more interviews, uh, because I'm expecting to come across more people as I go. One thing that I'll also discuss next week is the track towns, because by the time I release the next podcast, I'll have gone through all the towns, they each have their own character. They each have their own resources and supplies available. Um, some are better than others, and it really just depends on what you want. So I'll do a quick overview of each of the track towns and, and what you can expect to find. That's all for this week. We hope you've enjoyed. Bye for now.